All right, all right. Thank you guys so much. So we can truly say that these guys are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? So congratulations, you guys. This is crazy. Three in one night. Three in one night. I was sitting there, and Michelle uh, leaned over to me and said, the bridge is over. And I'm like, what? What, what do you mean the bridge is over? Because we had three people get a year in one night, we're done? What she was telling me was that, that, that somebody, uh, a probation agent called today and said they were sending us somebody else. So it meant we're going to be over the amount of people we're allowed to have in the bridge. <laughs> I was like, man, who does she think she is telling me it's over? Man. So we're going to be over. Amen. That's all right. It was funny because years ago, we had a use permit for 12 people in Pacific Grove, and I was standing out in the front yard one day, and this guy walks by, and he goes, hey, what is this place? I said, it's called The Bridge, and I told him what we did, and he was really interested and was really excited, and he said, how many, how many people do you have in here? I said, well, we got 22, but I'll tell you, if I had had it my way, I would stack them in here like cordwood, <laughs> and he said, oh, that's pretty funny. Well, little did I know he worked for the city of Pacific Grove. So we uh, got a letter uh, very shortly after that uh, telling us we were going to, we're facing like this $50,000 fine in like so much a day. And it was just like, oh man. It ended up, it ended up working out. We refiled and, and, and we jumped from 12 to 22. And uh, so it was just, it was, it was pretty funny. But uh, congratulations, all three of you guys. It's awesome. And I look in the back and I see Simeon and Viola. How many years, Simeon? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Uh -huh. It doesn't seem like that long ago we met. You know, some of the best people that I know I met in jail. Amen? Seriously, some of the best people that I know. So. Congratulations, you guys. So we're going to continue in our, our, our trek through the book of Romans, and I've entitled the message, Free at Last. And I would say that's a pretty fitting title for tonight, since we just celebrated with three completely different people, their freedom in Christ, their journey in Christ, and the freedom that they have to return to their lives. You know, to, to go back and to do what they want to do with a fresh clean slate and uh, have that opportunity to be who they are in Christ, to be a good husband and a good dad or to be just a good son. Whatever it is, we again have that opportunity to do that, and that is only through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to go ahead and read our text all the way through, because you know me, I, I love reading it, and I get all sidetracked, so I'm going to actually read Romans 6, 7 through 11, and then we will get going. Romans 6, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose the power in our lives, and uh, see, I want to start, uh, there we go, I will just, I'm going to read it all like I said, um, now I lost my place. It says, <laughs> 
And we know that we are sure of this because Christ raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive through Christ Jesus. Amen? You know, Nate actually hit on this verse yesterday in Galatians 5.1. It's one of my favorite verses, and it's pretty simple. It simply says that for freedom's sake, Christ has set us free. So just simply for the fact that we can be free, that's why we were set free. It doesn't have to be for any, like, mythical or crazy or weird reason. Austin, you're just killing me. <laughs> I keep seeing this ghoul. Uh, this thing of every child's nightmare. Uh, he asked, and, I, and it was like, yeah. <laughs> he did. He said, hey, is that going to bother you? I said, absolutely not. Uh, but I love it. It says, for the freedom sake, Christ has set us free. It says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And some versions say bondage. So notice what it says in there. Let's go through this carefully. It simply says that Christ set us free. He set Casey free. He set Christian free, right? He set Louis free. He set many of us in this room tonight free. He set Viola and Simeon and Terry. And, and I can just go on and on and on. I could name some 900 people that I've dealt with over the past 17 years. Um, so Christ has set us free. It says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again. So if you are truly free right now from your addiction, if you're truly free from the bondage of your addiction, in order for us to be caught up in again, what, this, what the scripture is saying here, it's because we submit ourselves back unto it, right? Because it has no authority over us right? It doesn't. It's a, it's a, it's a powder. It's a goo. It's a, it's a, it's a pop top. It's a, whatever your poison is, how can that have actual power over somebody that has the salvation of Jesus Christ within them? It can't. It's a thing. It's an it. It's a stuff, right? The only way it can have that power over you is if you submit yourselves if you again bow down to it, if you again allow it into your life, then and only then can it begin to integrate and infect your life and become something that has power over you. But it's because you have invited it in, right? What it says about sin, like in the book of James, is basically it's like it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's what's already in us, Right? Satan doesn't have to, to make up stuff and wave in front of your face. He already knows what's knocking around in your head. He knows what your weaknesses are. You know, it's kind of like the whole Santa. He knows if you're sleeping and he knows if you're awake, right? Satan knows the things that are going to tempt you. He knows the things that you are willing to possibly submit again and be in bondage. 
Do you remember those little things you put on your finger when you were a little kid, those little weaved tubes? Those, they called them like Chinese finger traps, right? Once you put your finger in them, the tighter you pull is what? What happens? The tighter it gets, right? In, I think it's in the, in the NIV or the New King James Version. It says, do not, do not get caught again in the snare, right? Don't get caught in that trap again. If you think about a snare, I always, I always reference the show Naked and Afraid because it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a crazy show. It's, a, it's, it's, it's human triumph almost over with willpower over not letting yourselves get into that mindset. And since they usually have very little, they always set snares. And they set a snare and they set something tempting to whatever they're trying to snare. They set a bait, right, so that that animal can get caught up in the snare. And what happens if you're on an island naked for like 30 days and you catch a little cute little bunny rabbit in that snare, what are you going to do? Amen, you're going to eat it, right? So in order for you to eat that little bunny, you've got to dispatch it first, right? That little bunny is going to go bye-bye, right? And you're going to eat it, right? So sin can be like that. We can get caught in that snare, and we can literally be spiritually killed. We can be brought to the point where we feel so defeated, we just want to give up. You know what? I'm, you know what? Forget it. This is this Christian thing is just too stinking hard. Yeah, like like going out and getting high every day and stealing, robbing, cheating is easy, right? Right? It is not easy. There is nothing easy about any of it. There is nothing worse than waking up in the morning and being hungover, or being dope sick, or having to steal X amount of dollars just to get high. And it's not even getting high anymore. We, we call it, think about it, we call it getting well. We have to go out and lie and cheat and steal just to feel like, like we're not going to die. So it's not even any fun anymore. There's nothing good about it. So the, 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 the scripture in Galatians is saying, so if you have been set free and you are truly free, do not again submit yourself. Don't put your head on the chopping block, right? Don't. You know, don't put yourself in a position where you're going to find yourself back in custody. Don't put yourself in the position where you're going to find yourself out of the house again. Don't put yourself in the position where you again lose trust from the people that love you or the people that look up to you and realize where you're at today, if you're here today and you're like one of our three people that just got a year or the guys in the back that have many, many, many years of sobriety that graduated from the bridge or people that have graduated from Teen Challenge, I would say to you, do, do not submit yourself again to that authority that is going to gladly rule and reign over you and destroy you. And bring you back into the custody, and you're going to feel that overwhelming shame, that condemnation, where you're going to feel so bad you don't even want to pick up the phone and call the people that you know would be glad to hear from you. You know, we have seen people come and go, and then they they call us and they say, "Well, I was going to call like two years ago, but I was embarrassed." And we're like, 
We've been waiting for you to call. Oh, you, oh, you have? Well, of course we have. Of course we love you. Of course we don't judge you. Of course we want you to have victory over your addiction. Of course, come and try it again. You know, keep on doing it till you get it right, right? Amen? Sobriety is kind of like cooking. You find your favorite dish, and you keep on cooking it, and you keep on perfecting it, and you keep on tweaking it until it's super good, right? It's like your sobriety. You keep on adjusting your attitude and your, your temperament and your tone until it's like, hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, people are in my life now. They, people want to hear what I have to say. They want to listen to me. They trust me. They respect me. I can get a good job, you know. Like Casey, when he, uh, and I'm so proud of him because he immediately got a couple of jobs back in the restaurant industry, which I was not excited about because I've worked in restaurants. Not a good environment um, if you're struggling with addiction, a lot of alcohol around and and, uh, and then he said, well, I have an opportunity to work at Target where I'm not going to be around all of that. I'm going to have benefits because, you know, someday if I want a family, I want to be able to provide benefits for them. Like, man, that, look at the brain on Casey, right? <laughs> but that's crazy. That, that to, for him... If you would have met him a year ago, his mentor gave him a book on talking too much. Right? What was it called? The Chowder Box. Like, man, does he got you down. You know, but the interesting thing is, is he was able to take what he has learned and make some wise choices. Uh, yeah, I like restaurants. I like cooking. But... I like my sobriety better. So I'm going to be in a place where I feel like I am safer. So what he is saying is I'm not going to submit myself to that temptation. I'm not going to submit myself to the lifestyle that I've always done, that's always taken me to where I've always ended up, right? What do they say? You know, if you, always, if you do what you've always done, you're, you're, you know what I'm trying to say? Somebody say it. What is it? Yeah, you, you, you always get what Joy's got. You're like, well, why is nothing different? Well, because you're doing the same thing. So I really admire him for making that choice to say, you know what? I'm going to do something different. You know, and, and that's awesome. That's good. That's making good, wise decisions. That's taking what you learn, what he learns here, what he learned in the bridge, what he learned from his mentor, and saying, I need to make sound decisions because I want to plan for my future, right? He wants a future and a hope, right? Because the scripture says, I know the plans that I have for you, right? Plans for a future and a hope, right? And I like when that, when that was said, because that was said to a group of people that were in captivity, Right? They were warned and warned and warned, like, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to be carried away into captivity, which we could say, how do we relate that to us? 
I could say to you over and over and over, if you keep doing that, you're going to go to jail, which is what? Captivity, right? And what is the prophet saying? He's saying what God is saying to you is that I told you this was going to happen, and now it's happened. And these were not the plans that I had for you. The plans I had for you was that you would have a future and a hope. So did those plans come to fruition? Yeah, but it took a long time. It took a long time. Because I always say to us, you know, we, some of us may still have natural consequences of things that we've done in the past that we may someday have to face. That's not God getting even with you or, you know, you know, you know getting back at you. It's like, it's just sometimes we have natural consequences of some of the things that we have done. That doesn't mean that God isn't working in our life. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean we should go back and say, forget this whole Christian thing. It's too hard and do, do the things that we've always done. Not, not at all. So let's get back to the scripture. It says, since we have been united with him in, in his death, and we had a, an awesome picture of that last week. Because after we had the teaching, we had the baptism. And symbolically, these people died and rose with Christ. They died to their old self. They rose in that resurrection with Christ into that newness of life. Was it magic? No, but it was magical, right? I was absolutely blown away and blessed. I called Ernst the next day just to say, hey, what are you doing? He was just getting off an airplane. He had just powered his phone on. And I just said, hey, thanks, Ernst, for being in the water with me. And he just went on and on and on about how he was blessed and he felt wonderful and he felt honored. And it was like one of the best things he's ever done. I thought that was so cool that he felt so strongly about being a part of people's story, their new life, that new creation in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. He was so honored and so blessed to be a part of that that he just, he just couldn't stop. And then he sent me this massive long text just saying how honored he is just to be a part of this ministry, to be a part of what God is doing in this room, Monday after Monday, week after week, month after month, year after year, you know? It's since 2000, December, I think December 4th of 2006 was the first night, first night we met in a little classroom downstairs with like, I don't know, 18 people. A lot's happened since then. It says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power. That's the idea. Sin has lost its power unless you submit, willingly submit yourself to again to that yoke of bondage. Because we all know something we could do tonight to get right back into it, can't we? Right? I bet you easily we could all get back into it tonight if we wanted to, like, right? Instantly, one phone call, and you're back in it. All those months and years in jail and all those tears and crying and begging and letter writing and pleading with God is over like that. But we know through Christ that we need to give that up for it to have power over us again. You know, I loved what he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, right? That's what we need to be saying. No, get away from me. I don't, I don't need this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there, right? I didn't, I didn't get saved and start going to Chinatown and witnessing to people. 
right? How long would that have lasted? Yeah, like about... I, the very first court hearing I went to, I was sitting in court next to my connection, right? And I already owed him like 700 bucks, right? And he's already sweating how he was going to get paid if we're both, like, both in jail, we're both in court together, and we were both out of custody. You know, I got OR to he bailed out. And I'm trying to tell him to front me some more dope, and he's telling me I need to get money out of her purse. So I'm in court for my first hearing after being OR'd, trying to figure out how to steal money out of her purse so I could buy dope for my connection sitting next to me. Does that even make sense? But isn't that the mindset we have? It is until we are freed by the blood of Christ. Then for me to be ever, ever be even close to back to that situation, I would have to allow that back in my life. I would have to accept that type of thought pattern, that behavior. I would have to willingly do that, and I'm not willing to do that. I'm not even willing to cover for anybody trying to do it anymore, right? People don't ask me to cover for them. People don't ask me to lie for them. People don't ask me to score for them. People don't ask me to buy them booze. People don't ask me to turn the other way while they smoke a cigarette or vape or whatever, right? And they don't because I am very clear about who I am and what I do, what I will and what I won't stand for and what I will and what I won't allow, right? Bottom line, it's because when you take a stand in your life, that is going to keep people from getting up and, and thinking they can manipulate you is they have to see that you have truly changed. They have to see that healing power of Christ within you. And when they do, you know what? They leave you alone. They don't even try because, it, you know, y'all could sit there and beg me for 60, 70 years. I'm not going to change what I do. You know, I'm not going to submit to any kind of bribery or, or trickery or I'm not going to feel bad and, you know, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I'll help get you well or whatever, or, you know, I'll detox you in my backyard. No, you know, <laughs> submit yourself for a year, then we'll talk about it, right? And by the time that year's over, your, hopefully your thought pattern has changed, right? So that we know that our old self died with Christ and we were set free from the power of sin, right? So you see, that's what I had to understand. And I've told this story before, but when I went for my evaluation to go into rehab at the recovery center at CHOMP, I was so excited because Dr. Lee Goldman told me, and I absolutely respect him. He refers probably, he's probably referred at least 20% of the people that have ever been in the bridge, okay? Lee Goldman said across from me and said, Mike, this is not your fault. You are not at all responsible this is a vicious and gnarly and nasty disease that has taken power over you. I was stoked. I was so happy. I'm like, you're right. And he offered me help. Yeah, we're going to bring you into the recovery center. You know, 1000 bucks a day. You know, we've got Michelle worked for CHOMP, so hey, I was a paramedic. Got great insurance. Yeah, yeah. I, gosh, this terrible disease has just ruined my life. 
And I went home, and I, I was so happy. I said, Michelle, Dr. Goldman said this is not my fault. <laughs> that this, I have a disease. <laughs> oh, of course, she said, oh, you're right, honey, you poor thing. Now, what she did next kind of, kind of pissed me off. <laughs> she called Pastor Bill, Nate's dad, and said, hey, can we have a meeting? And so we came in, and we met with Pastor Bill, right? Let me give you the irony, though. Where we met with Pastor Bill is now my office, right? Think about that one, right? And so what she said, you know, you know I, I think we all know Michelle can be kind of sarcastic sometimes, you know. She said, well, tell Pastor Bill what you told me. Pastor Bill, you're not going to believe it. This is not my fault. I have this terrible disease. He said, no, Mike, what you have is a problem with sin. Where is your responsibility in this? Where is your accountability? What part of this do you own? Well, none of it. It's not my fault. <laughs> so, I wish I would have just said, oh, you are so right, Pastor Bill. I cursed at him, kicked the desk, and stormed out and slammed the door so hard. I, that's probably why the window above my door is broken. I don't know. You know, it would be a good story if that's what it was. I don't know how my window got broken, but it could have been from all those years ago. I was pretty angry. I'm like... It's my fault. <laughs> Give me a break. Um, but when you take personal responsibility out of it, it's a whole different animal. We have to take responsibility for ourselves. We have to, be, we have to buy into this with God. We have to be in agreement. We have to do the work. We have to say yes. I do things that are not right, and I submitted myself to this. Now I'm caught up in this bondage or this slavery. That's what it is, and, that, and that's what it is. I was caught up in it. I liked it. I liked getting high. I liked nodding out all day, you know. I did. I, I dug it. I was like, man, I could do this forever. If I could just get away, I mean, I would watch cops when they would do these massive busts. I'm like, that's what I need. I need a semi-truck full of heroin. I'll put it in a warehouse. I'll just go out every day and just get a little piece. I would be happy. But it's not. It's not reality. It's not true. But once Christ set me free, I saw everything totally differently. I don't need that to live. I don't need that to wake up. I need him. I need his saving grace, his healing power, and I need to realize that I, Mike, have a responsibility to myself, to my family, to do things differently. And as long as I don't go back, go back there or submit myself again, I can be free, right? Because the enemy cannot come into the space where you are with God and snatch you out and force anything on you. You can't. You have to say, okay. You have to open the door and invite him in. That's what you have to do. Because it says death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. So it's his finished work on the cross when he says, 
At the very end, it is finished, and he gives up willingly. See, he wasn't killed. We have to understand that. Jesus was not killed on the cross. He gave up his spirit. So he went on his terms, right? So we need to live our lives with Christ involved on our terms, and we need not to give up our freedom. Don't give it back. You know, don't give it away. You know, hold on to that which you have. Hold on to it with all that you have. It's precious. Your sobriety is precious. Your freedom is precious. Your family is precious. Your future life, whatever God has for you, is precious. I mean, that's all there is to it. God puts people in your life that you would never even, it's just, it's insane when you try to think about how God weaves people into your life. You know, when Michelle and I started the bridge, she had two jobs. And she worked for the Monterey Plaza, and she worked for Community Hospital, okay? They all thought she was nuts for leaving perfectly good jobs to go start a rehab. Everybody, everybody thought she was nuts. Why would you leave a perfectly good job to go start a rehab? We would have never known in a million years the job that she worked at Community Hospital she worked with Casey's mom. The job that she worked at the Monterey Plaza, right? She worked with Christian's wife. So these people that are looking at her saying, you're nuts, why would you leave to go work at a rehab? We would have no way of knowing that one of the, one of the therapists that she worked with, that her husband would someday come and benefit from the bridge. Or Connie would never know that her son would be released from jail to come into the bridge. Do you see what I'm saying? God's economy, if you allow it to work in your life, is insanely crazy, right? I would have never dreamed some of the best friends that I've ever had in my life came out of jail that are wackos just like me, that are crazy, that are nuts. That, but that's what I love about my life. You know, Tommy and I laugh like every day. Ha, ha. Why do they call it work? I never feel like I'm working. I mean, believe me, there's days I feel fr I felt really frustrated frustrated today, but I've n I never feel like I'm actually working. You know what I mean? When Pastor Roger called me in his office, and I've shared this before, and told me they were going to start paying me, I laughed so hysterically. He 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 couldn't. What's what? What happened? Did I say something funny? I said, I can't believe you guys are dumb enough to pay me for something I would do for the rest of my life for free. And then he showed me the scripture that says a workman is worthy of his wage. I'm like, all right, that's fine. You know, I called Michelle, guess what? These suckers are going to start paying me. They're going to pay me for what I already do for free. I think she was pretty happy about that. Because I did say she was working, actually, she was working three jobs. Um, to care for her heroin addict husband that was always in rehab. So, so no longer allow sin and death to have power over your life because it says in Galatians that Christ has set you free just for the sake of freedom. Not because you owe him anything or because you have to do anything. He set you free so that you would be free to choose, hopefully, a relationship and a life with him. 
knowing that setting you free, you may not. You may not ever thank him. You may not ever turn to him. You may never acknowledge him. But to him, it's worth it to set you free once again, hoping that just maybe you'll realize how many opportunities you've had to live a changed life. And maybe, just maybe, at some point, you'll turn to him and accept that free invitation and enjoy that life of freedom. Amen? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. So Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for these three guys that have got that year of victory. Lord, I know Louis said he's never, never in his life had a year of sobriety. What a blessing that is. So Lord, we just pray over these men's life. In Jesus' name, amen.